and welcome to the Living With Purpose podcast. I'm your host, Simone Denny, and I'm here to uncover how we find more joy, greater fulfillment, and deeper purpose in our lives. I will be sharing my own journey, as well as insights from thought leaders and everyday people who are living with purpose and have created a life they truly love. Thank you so much for tuning in to my podcast today. I'm really excited to have the wonderful Alexa Towsley join us today. She is going to share about how to empower your mind through your body. And she has so many wonderful little words of inspiration and and what I like to call gold nuggets of wisdom um, that you can take away. And she's had a, a wonderful interesting journey to where she is today but before I share Alexa's story I really wanted to say this is just our second podcast and it's really brought me back to what it's like to start something new again and if you're here you might have found me through my Simone Denny wellness site or through the Nourishing Hub which you might have been following for a while my blog or social media and it takes me back to starting something when you have um, no followers and you have no reputation and it's really the big unknown and I kind of love it because I know what is to come and I feel like this about um, stepping into to having these conversations with really interesting people about living their purpose and I work with a lot of people who are about to step into doing thing, the thing they want to do in life or, or the stepping on the edge of their potential of what they want to do. And there's this fear and unknown feeling that comes up about, oh, you know, being approved and will I be accepted and will, I, will my posts be liked on Facebook? And it's really quite exposing. Um, but what I've learned through this journey of starting something new is that all you need is just one campaigner of you. And of course, you need to be your own campaigner. But whether that person is your husband or your best friend or your sister um, or, or just somebody who has got your back, that's all you need to do to start something new. And I love that today for my one podcast that I've posted with Vanessa Jane, I hope you've listened to it. And if you haven't, I really recommend it. That my beautiful sister, Georgia Denny, is the only person who's left me a review from our last podcast. And I feel really blessed because, um, because I know my sister's got my back. And, and that's this, the moments in these times where um, then all you need is just one person. And, it, you know, it's been my husband many times liking things on Facebook or just telling me to keep going in this direction. So I want to read out my beautiful sister's review um, and I encourage you to, to write reviews on this podcast. I promise I won't <laughs> highlight all of you on here. But here are the words of my beautiful sister, one of my campaigners, um, one of my many, you know, we all have soul sisters and my own sister is one of those. So here we go from Georgie from um, my Living With Light podcast with Vanessa. This podcast has helped me deeply think about my purpose and how we are all here with a unique gift to share in service with others. 
and how that has most likely been suppressed somewhere in our lives. Loved Simone and Vanessa's discussion around rediscovering your purpose and redefining creative expression. Uh, thank you so much, George. That's just so sweet. And um, that actually leads nicely onto you know, what, what this is all about. It's about um, finding that gift, that unique thing in you that you are actually born with. You don't have to go out and train for it. It's that unique gift in you, um, refinding that because it's always there and how to use that to be of service to others. And that, when you are doing that, that's when you feel in total alignment with yourself and you feel deep fulfillment and joy. And that doesn't have to be your job. It's just a way of being in your life where you feel like what you are doing is being of service and that service is rewarding you and making you feel so, so um, meaningful, like life is meaningful to you. So, um, yeah, there is, I mean, I could talk all day on purpose and we're going to talk a lot about it, but um, I just really want to reiterate that your purpose is who you've always been called to be. It's, it's some people call it your dharma, your calling. Um, and, and, Really, it's about how do you go back and find what that thing is so that you can express it fully in your life now. And so what I'm really enjoying about these conversations is that we're having really, I'm having really authentic uh, discussions with people about all aspects of their life, not just the, you know, the, the easy ride to where they've got to. It's about the hardships. It's about the challenges. It's about what I call the grit it's what's created our resiliency. And a lot of these hard times is actually where we find our true purpose. And those are the gifts that help us um, to come into this world and share with um, deeper empathy and with more authenticity. And what I really love about Alexa's story is that that's, that's exactly what she shares, a really authentic, um, honest conversation around where she's come from and where she is now because Alexa is someone who has a, a, a gift for making other people feel strong both mentally and physically and it's her mission to make people especially women feel empowered through through their strength so Alexa Towsley is fondly known as Action Alexa. She's an international sports model, a celebrity trainer, a nutritionist and lifestyle coach. She's worked with everyone from the very famous New Zealand All Blacks to international supermodels. She's graced the cover of Australian Health and Fitness magazine. She's a regular reporter for leading international lifestyle publications. So many too many magazines to name. She's also been featured on CNN, Bloomberg and Channel 9. So she has many accolades, but one of the most impressive achievements in her story of self-empowerment is her deep desire to empower others through their bodies. Through Alexa's childhood challenges and journeys and through alcoholism, she paved her way to transformation and discovered that through a strong body, you can create a strong mind. Alexa is the ambassador for a number of mental health charities and shares her own story to inspire and encourage others. So in our podcast today, Alexa shares the gift of feeling empowered and why empowerment is her favorite thing. 
why sharing her vulnerability and helping others through her story is her definition of success. So without further ado, I'm delighted to have Alexa join us today. Today, I wanted to welcome the lovely Alexa to our podcast. She is somebody that I've been following for a while and have been friends with on Facebook for a while. And I've just loved watching this journey um, unfold where Alexa is just the most incredibly positive, can-do person to ever pop up in your (laughs) Facebook or Instagram uh, stream. And today, I really wanted to uncover her story because she's on a real journey um, of service, I feel, really serving other people on many levels, not just through her health and fitness, but through mental health and a range of avenues. So welcome, Alexa. Thank you so much for being here today. Oh my God, my absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Kind words, very kind words, big intro. (laughs) Very true words. So I just wanted to start with maybe you sharing some of your journey about how you got to where you are today. God, I mean, that is such the right word for it too because it really has been a journey. I think if you'd have asked anyone who knew me at school, like at 15 versus when I was like 21, 23 versus now, I think there'd be probably three versions of myself. So it's really interesting that I'm at probably the best place I've ever been in my life. And if that comes across to the platforms that I use on social media, then that's amazing. Um, I sort of started my journey, I guess, when I was like 15. Um, My mum was actually diagnosed with manic depression when I was 15. And it was sort of like overnight she became a different person. Um, My dad didn't know her. She didn't know herself. I didn't know her. And... I think everybody self-medicated to get through the situation. So for my mom, that was the antipsychotics and the steroids. For my dad, he started to drink. And for me, I began to go to the gym. Um, And, you know, while I was at school, I was also going through some bullying. You know, like I wasn't always as fit and healthy as I am now. Growing up, I was pretty skinny. My nickname at school was Alexa Anorexa. Um, (laughs) Kids are awesome, coming up with these amazing names. Um, And I was really, that was what prompted me to go to the gym. I was really on a mission for muscles. And, you know, the gym for me, the weights room specifically, was the first place that I ever really felt like I was safe and supported and in control of everything. It was the first place that I really started to understand what it was like to be physically strong and then how that connected to making me feel mentally strong. And I guess, you know, for me, that that was the first gift that I ever got, that gift of feeling empowered. And it's really the driving force for everything that I do today. Mm. Um, you know, and, and things just went for their fitness is something that I've used as my therapy and my saving grace. Like for every difficult situation I've ever been in, my physical strength and then how that translates into my psychological strength, that has been what's got me through everything. So yeah, that's sort mm. of, that's the driving force for where I'm at now. Mm, yeah, and it's an incredibly challenging time. Um, and, you know, at that age of 15, you can kind of go in multiple directions. You can kind of go right down a different track. But fortunately for you, you chose, you know, you chose using your body to empower you, which I think is your theme that you now help other, particularly women do, is empower themselves through, through their body. Yeah. My favorite word is probably empowerment. Like I just, 
I don't think there's enough of it. I think there's a lot of competition Mm -hmm. as opposed to collaboration and just allowing each other to be empowered. You know, like everyone has their own different strengths and weaknesses. And I think so much more could be achieved by supporting each other and empowering each other to do what you're best at, you know? Yeah. And how, how do you feel that you empower people now in, in the work that you do? I love it. Um, I think one of the first things I ever really wanted to do was be able to share my story in the hope that I'd be able to help others, you know, and if that's what I'm doing now, then man, that's, you know, that's success to me. This is everything I ever wanted. And like I said, like, if that's what, if me being positive and me sharing my story and me sharing my weaknesses and how I've dealt with specific things over the years and being vulnerable allows people to own their own vulnerabilities and understand that there is a way back from that, then man, that's, that's success to me. That's like happiness in a nutshell. Mm. And I, I mean, there's a big second chapter of that personal story of yours isn't it it didn't stop with that 15 year old going to the gym and becoming empowered there was a lot of big massive life events that um you have come through and I'd love you to share kind of what happened after that um within your own family because I think um you know it's a testament to you and your mindset and um you know your dedication to the work you do to, to have come through as such an incredibly positive person. Yeah, look, I mean, my at, what was it, like at 15, I mean, I was definitely, the gym is definitely a big thing for me, but I wouldn't say it was the only thing for me. Um, I mean, and it's, it's kind of terrifying now that people call this a balanced lifestyle. Um, I, my dad became an alcoholic when I was 15. I think alcoholism has always run in my family. You know, there is a genetic predisposition to alcoholism and I guess the environment that you're in either you know either nurtures that or it takes you in the opposite direction and for me like my family just loved alcohol and I started to drink at school um I think I drank my first flask of rum when I was like 16 17 I've never I was never able to drink rum after I made myself that sick um but it became like the norm you know I'd go out with the cool kids in the weekend that was my way of fitting in and we would drink until we were absolutely blotto um, couldn't remember things in the morning. I lied to my parents about it and that continued, you know, drinking was my crutch until I was probably, I haven't drunk now for 10 years because my dad became a fully blown alcoholic and that was probably one of the toughest things I've ever had to deal with. And it probably was the toughest thing I've ever had to deal with actually in terms of if anyone's ever got a parent or a family member or a loved one or a best friend that's ever been down that road the self-sabotage is, it's one of the hardest things to deal with, especially if you just can't get through to somebody. Um, and for me, it was like, I would have these conversations with my dad about, you know, you're never going to walk me down the aisle. You're never going to see your grandkids. You know, you're never going to give me away or give that father's speech. You're never going to see me achieve all my dreams. And he'd be like, I really want to tell you that, your love is enough for me to quit, but it's not like, this is all I have left. And that was one of the hardest things I've ever heard in my life. But in saying that, you know, it was two years of a downward spiral, like a massive downward spiral where he went from a functioning alcoholic to definitely a non-functioning alcoholic. And I just remember the last Christmas we spent together and he couldn't even make Christmas morning because 
the withdrawals were that bad that he was shaking and he was sick and he had to have a whiskey before breakfast and he couldn't come. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, this is it. I think this year is the year that it's probably all going to come to an end. And I was just waiting for that phone call. And five months later in May, it came and I flew back to New Zealand and I went to his funeral and I got really, really drunk. I drank his last bottle of whiskey. I danced on the tables. I threw up all over myself. I fell in a ditch. I missed my flight home. And I woke up in the morning with no recollection of what I'd done um, and was just like, I'm not doing this. I'm not going to be my dad. I'm not going to put anyone else through what I went through. Like, this is, this is where things have to change. And things changed. I was like, I'm never drinking again. And sure enough, I flew back to Hong Kong and I have not touched alcohol in 10 years. And it was the hardest yet best decision I have ever made in my life. Because for me, that was like the pivotal moment. And it was the moment that the game changed. Mm, yeah, mm. it's enormous. Um, you know, you know, already we've discussed this story really touches me because I also grew up with an alcoholic father. And just, um, just the pressure and weight on the children in the family, I think is something that doesn't get talked about that much. And the amount you have to carry um, when you know that addiction is bigger than the love of your family, you know, unfortunately for me, my dad got through it and we didn't have such a, you know, a, a tragic ending, but it, it really is, you know, it taps into so many different emotions around shame as well, because you kind of, have this idea of having this perfect family and everyone looks like they've got a perfect family. And then there's a really broken part of your family and you can't fix it. But on the other side of it, there's this enormous determination to help people, which is interesting because I think both you and I have that as the gift of the journey through this, Um, you know, and the work you do and the work I do. And, you know, it, for me, the gift now is, you know, I've really made peace with it, but it's just that tenacity that you get and that drive and that real desire to, to serve and to make things better. It really comes from living in the depths of it. Oh, absolutely. Like in, with all the work that I do in mental health, that's what, when we talk, we talked about lived experience and that's exactly what it is. It's about, it's about sharing your own experience and your own journey with other people because when you do share vulnerable stuff, it really empowers other people to be able to own their own story. And I think people really underestimate the effect of that as well. I remember going up to Kayama recently and we were doing like a wellness event up there. And one of the ladies, like we went there and I was at Living Stand and we turn up to open the stand and there's like 10, 10 women just sitting there with all the living gear on. Um, and we were like, oh my God, who are these people that we haven't even opened yet? The festival hasn't even begun. And we walk up and it turns out that the mother of a child who has taken his own life at 17, um, just a couple of months prior, is there. And we ended up having this massive chat. And I always remember it because at the end of it, she was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And I was like, what are you sorry about? Don't ever, ever be sorry for sharing your story with another person because for me especially like I'm so humbled and grateful to be able to be part of somebody's other somebody's journey you know like them actually trusting me enough to be vulnerable and sharing their story and allowing me just to help just by listening like what a gift that is like I think we underestimate the importance of just being able to just be there and just be kind we don't 
think that that's going to change somebody's life and it can, Mm. you know, and I wish more people would both share and then also just understand the beauty of someone sharing with you. Mm. Yeah, it is the power of just holding space. And I think as women, we naturally want to say something to fix things and often the power is just in the silence um you know if you're a coach or a trainer and do similar work to what we do that it is often just being able to hold that for somebody to say what they need to say without judgment without feedback without advice and we're kind of we grow up in a way where we like to give advice particularly as women so it's hard to just be there and hold space it's a real gift i think oh I know it is, it is a real gift. It's taken a long time to learn it too. I think, you know, we do, we get, we want to fill the space all the time when mm. we don't necessarily need to. Yes. Yeah. So just kind of jumping along from that topic, you obviously work with a lot of women on sculpting their bodies, um, you know, from you know supermodels to fitness models. And it's a, it's another, um, you know, it's another area where people have, possibly self-doubt or confidence issues or you know certain things that show up from a mindset perspective can you share a little bit about you know women's bodies and confidence and things that um that you've kind of seen and how you maybe help people work through that space yeah look i mean i think for me we go back to that word empowerment and I put up a really cool quote the other night. Well, I think it's cool anyway. And it was like, for me, there is nothing more rewarding than seeing a woman become empowered in the weights room and then watching how this translates into her attitude towards the rest of her life. Mm. And that pretty much sums up what I do. Mm. Um, for me, training in the gym is like a conduit to encouraging people to understand the connection between what physical strength is and then how that makes them feel psychologically. And I guess that makes me different to a lot of trainers because that connection was what originally got me into training. It's what kept me training. So for me, that's kind of like what I want to pay it forward. Like if I could just empower everyone to feel that um, when they train and use their training as a conduit to, you know, being able to have more self-worth, you know, I've got a client called Lizzie who is a corporate lawyer And she deals with some really difficult people on a day-to-day basis. And she'd never, ever been in the weights room in her entire life. And I remember the first day she got a deadlift. And it was like the best thing that had ever happened to her. And she came in two days later and she was like, oh, my God, I got the deadlift. I went back to the office and I showed my coworkers the video of the deadlift. And she's like, and then I felt like I had the power to say no. I had the power to set boundaries. I had the power to be like, no, I deserve more. No, you don't get to talk to me like that. No, not going to work overtime this weekend. You know, and it was really interesting because it was the first time I'd really, I'd never heard those words come out of her mouth. And since then, like, it's been incredible to be able to share in her journey because she's just gone from strength to strength. Mm, Amazing. People think about the word as empowerment as saying yes to a lot of things. You know, it's like, oh, yes, I can. But so much of empowerment is actually about saying no to things, isn't it? Absolutely. And not feeling like you have to give a reason for it. I think we always, you know, I'm a prime example of that. I'm still learning how to say no. I want to say yes to everything, Mm. even if it's at the expense of myself. Like a lot of the time, I think women do that a lot as well. Like I think it's definitely a female trait. Um, 
But yeah, it is. It's learning how to say no and not feeling the guilt that comes with feeling like you're letting somebody else down when really you're just protecting your own time and your own energy. Mm. So yeah, I think we, we need to recognize that a lot more. I certainly am still learning that lesson. Yeah, I think we all are the, the, the gift of setting boundaries. So Harper's Bazaar called you the model whisperer. <laughs> Maxim Magazine called you the woman behind our woman. What exactly do you do to achieve such amazing results with the woman that you work with? I think I'm just, re- you know what, I'm really pedantic and I'm really detail oriented. And I think because I have a really high work ethic, I expect the same. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think the girls that come in and train with me, I know people don't really give a lot of credit sometimes to girls in the modeling industry. Um, you know, and yeah, there's a lot of genetic gifts um, that go with being in that industry. But a lot of the girls also, the ones that are at the top of their game, put in an incredible amount of work. What you see is not always what you get. And the girls that come in and train, they understand that when they come in to train with me, that I am the way I am, that I expect commitment and that you know, if they work really hard, they'll get the results they want. And they come in and they work. And mm-hmm. if they don't work, they get fired. Yeah. yeah. I love <laughs> It is. I don't, I, yeah, I invest a lot of time and energy in my clients because I want them to do really, really well. And I expect the same in return. Mm. And I guess part of what you do is not all physical. Part of it is mindset work as well. Um, by the A lot of it. I would say, I would say probably 60 or 70% is actually mindset as opposed to being physical. I train a lot of young girls. Mm. Um, one of the things I said right from the beginning was that I didn't really, I wasn't, comfortable working with girls who were in the industry whose sole aim was to get skinny it's not how I work it's not something I subscribe to I get that it's part of their job um you know and on the occasions that I've worked with females who have body insecurity issues or you know body image issues um with there's definitely been conversations surrounding their self-worth connected to the way they think they look versus how they actually look And we talk about the psychological benefits of training as opposed to wanting to look a certain way. And that, you know, I know that modeling appears to be all about, you know, how you look, but there's a huge psychological component in being able to develop resilience and a mental toughness that goes with the rejection in the industry. Mm. So, you know, that is that empowerment theme again is also really important. Um, Self-confidence goes a long way in anything you do. Mm. Yeah, and, I'm, and this is obviously a common theme for you is, you know, the, the mindset, the empowerment, confidence, and, and that might um, explain possibly as well why you have become an ambassador for livin.org.au. Um, do you want to share a little bit about what that organization does and, and how you're involved with that? Yeah, um, Livin is it's an organization that I've worked with. I've been an ambassador for probably two and a half, three years now. I used to live with Sam, one of the co-founders. I was really lucky enough to meet him early on when I moved to Sydney at one of the events here. And I just wanted to get involved straight away because his passion for what he does is just contagious. Um, Livin is a not-for-profit that basically aims to dispel the stigma that surrounds mental health challenges. They're not mental health issues, they're challenges. We don't struggle with things, we live with things. Mm. Um, So we use fashion, we use friends of influence, and we use fitness events to get the message across that it ain't weak to speak. So it's all about empowering people to have conversations 
that could essentially save lives, including their own. Um, I love working with them. I'm actually, there's in September, we're sort of doing a mind tour, which is, you know, that's something I'm looking forward to a lot. Um, and I do the Living Well presentations at schools, which again is something I've wanted to do since I was 15. And I, I always wanted a platform to be able to share my story and I get to be able to do that. And last year when I had my hip replacement, and I don't know how familiar you are with what happened, but the first time I went in, I, um, I actually had an anaphylactic reaction to the antibiotics. So I was resuscitated four times. It wasn't very ideal. But in saying that, two weeks prior to that, I'd actually done a Living Well presentation in Townsville. And one of the students had come up to me at the end of the presentation after I'd shared my story. And she's like, today you changed my life. Like today you made me feel like I had something to live for. And I just remember just being, oh, my God, now I'm going to cry in front of everyone. <laughs> and she gave me this massive hug. And I tell you what, like, that was the first thing I remembered when I woke up in ICU was that moment. And I was like, there's no white light that I remember. <laughs> but it was a moment of clarity where I was like, man, this is what I need to be doing more of. I need to be having more of those moments and more of those conversations where you know, we just remind each other that, man, just by having one kind thing or having one conversation with somebody, you could make their day. Like you could actually save their life. And I, yeah, it's, I'm so passionate about it. Like I just, this is what I want to do. So the PT is a tool to allow me to be able to do all of this stuff that I really want to do. I know, and it, it just um, oozes from you and everything. Yeah. And I, you know, I I know that's your purpose, and you know, this is all about living your purpose. And I, and you are somebody who is living their purpose every day. And I just see you stepping more and more into it and changing lives. And through conversations, is a big part of that, which is just so beautiful to witness. Um, so just going back to you for a little bit, do you have any daily practices or rituals that you practice to keep yourself in alignment mentally or physically? I mean, I know how much you go to the gym. <laughs> so that is. I don't go to the gym as much as I used to. People think that that's what I do, but I'm in the gym a lot when I train other people. Mm. Um, for myself, like, to be honest, it's more about recovery and stress management. Um, my days are really, really busy my mind runs at a million miles an hour. So for me, sleep was actually a much harder thing to get control of than the physical side of things. Mm. Um, I have a gratitude journal. It's something I tell people to do a lot. And it's something I use before I go to bed. So every night I basically write down five to 10 things that I'm grateful for. And that even if they haven't happened yet, I remember like nine years ago, I actually wrote down that I was grateful for the cover of a women's health and fitness magazine. Nine years later, I got the cover of the Women's Health and Fitness magazine. Um, you know, so I think it, it not only reframes things in a positive, like a positive sense, but it also, it sets these underlying goals that you then kind of go to bed thinking about. So you wake up and you're very proactive with it. Um, I also write down one kind thing that I did for somebody, one kind thing that somebody did for me. And then one thing I learned that day. Mm. so it just kind of helps reframe things into a positive into a positive way um it helps relax and wind you down into sleep and like for me you know going to sleep with that it's kind of like i used to do exams by subliminal learning you know like you put in a tape and it would have these positive affirmations running through your head so you or not well for study it wasn't positive affirmations it was what you were learning but now like i go to bed with those sort of positive affirmations running through my head i have a meditation app 
that I put on at night. And a whole lot of that is actually positive affirmations. You are worthy. You are loved. You are safe. So I wake up in the morning feeling like a million bucks. So yeah, those are the two biggest things that I Oh, that's a beautiful ritual. And I think it's really important for people to hear that about setting intentions and manifesting. You know, we are so of a generation where we want things instantly. And, you know, we're doing this journal writing or we're setting intentions and we're like, oh my gosh, it's six months and it hasn't happened. I'll just stop doing that. But the beautiful thing is about consistency in all of this work and, you know, doing these rituals in a way that it might take nine days or it might take nine years, but it's yeah. just keeping the intention there and it will show up whenever you're probably not really expecting it, but it's, you know, the intention's being put out there. Yeah. And I think it also depends why you're doing things as well. Like I think if, you know, say I wanted the cover of women's health and fitness because I wanted to make money off it my intentions and how I went about making that happen would be completely different versus I want to get the cover of women's health and fitness because I'd really like to build a platform from which to share my story to help others. Mm. Because when you've got a, a passion like that, you're far more likely to actually, you know, put yourself on the path to achieving it. So yeah, mm. it is. It's about having intention and doing things for the right reason and, you know, finding what your why is. Yeah. And being, being of service, which is such a big part of, you know, your why and, and your purpose. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So if you could just tell our listeners one thing that they could do for their bodies today or tomorrow, what would you say um, to help them live, live on purpose with regards to looking after their body? I would say listen, learn to listen to your body. Mm. Your body is a very, very clever tool. If it doesn't like something you're doing, whether that be training, whether that be eating foods, whether that be hanging out with the wrong people, it will tell you. That is what your gut instinct is all about, yet we override it because of what society or what social media or what our peers tell us. So that would be my biggest piece of advice. Mm, couldn't, couldn't agree more. <laughs> and what about one thing we could do for our mind I think we need to listen to the way we talk to ourselves. Um, you know, I suffered with huge self-worth issues and, you know, it still rears its ugly head. And I think it's about getting on top of that and about understanding that, you know, our bodies really do listen to what we say to ourselves. And next time you're having one of those negative internal dialogues, think about what you would say to somebody that you loved, like your sister, your best friend, you know, your partner. Um, because that's certainly not the way that you would talk to them. And that's a really good way of switching things around. Mm. Yes. Yes. I, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> um, so just moving on, what is one of your favorite books or quotes that you feel has been a guiding, a guiding force in your life? It's hard, I know it's hard to choose one. Actually, my favorite, my favorite quote that I really like is when I feel strong, I think strong thoughts mm. and it's true because everything for me comes down to if I take care of myself physically, then I naturally want to take care of myself mentally. Um, you know, when I feel strong, when I feel strong, I'm able to help other people, you know, and again, that comes back to my purpose. So it's about looking after myself first. And then once I've done that, then I can help look after other people. Mm. And that's a, you know, a great, motivator when you're lying in bed in the morning and the alarm goes off <laughs> yeah, like when it's when it's just 
aesthetic space like I find like for me it's just not enough like there has to be something deeper Mm -hmm. but again that probably comes with age and experience you know totally it's all a learning journey and if you could write a message for the world and put it on a billboard what would it say oh oh my god now you put me on the spot Um, okay um I mean, for me, obviously, it's going to come back to training because that's what I do. But it would be if you can learn to develop a stellar work ethic in your training, it will translate into everything else that you do. Yes. (laughs) All about that work ethic. I actually put up my post this morning was actually about work ethic and it was about you can't have a million dollar dream with a minimum wage work ethic. And that is Mm. very true. Yeah, you definitely have a very strong work ethic, which I think is why, you know, you can motivate so many people to to make really big changes. It actually leads quite nicely into my next question, which is what do you think are your greatest gifts? And and maybe those gifts have also come through your your darkest, hardest times. I I think probably, you know, I think my gifts probably actually come back to my childhood because I had a really tumultuous childhood. I'm from a military background. So my parents were both military. My dad was a major in the British Army. My mum was a medic. So we're actually at war a lot. And I was by myself a lot of the time. And I had to learn a lot of traits, I guess, that really helped me today. You know, I learned firsthand what it was to be loyal and to have respect and to have integrity and to have a work ethic and to want to help people. Um, you know, and I think those are things like learning how to be resilient and adaptable and independent and capable, um, you know, and learning to rely on myself. I think those are all the things that allow me to get through today. And they're all the gifts that I learned from not a particularly happy period of time in my life. You know, every, and every single thing that I've ever been through, I think resilience is probably the greatest gift that I I've had. Um, because I've managed to learn my lesson and I've managed to pick myself up and I've managed to get through it. And then I've, I've used that as fodder to help other people. So that's probably, that's probably the biggest gift is just being put in situations that are really trying and not knowing at the time how well I'd be able to recover and then what I'd be able to do with what I learned. So, yeah. Mm Totally. I think so many of us wish for this kind of perfect, unblemished path, but there is no way to learn resilience and there is no way to form your core traits through a really smooth path. So when you actually see them as your gifts, you know that you've made peace with your past as well, I think. Oh, look, I think even just having the ability to see hard times as gifts is a Mm -hmm. gift in itself. Because essentially that's how you develop resilience is you understand that that's a gift. Mm. It's not really a struggle. And I had this conversation, I had this conversation with my girlfriend the other day, actually, Ash, she's also a trainer and she does a lot of NLP and she's a very, very smart girl. And, you know, like I surround myself with people who are incredibly smart and incredibly driven because that really helps me. And we had this conversation and I was like, man, I'm really struggling with this. And she's like, no, you're not, you're not struggling you're being challenged. I was like, okay. She's like, because you're struggling implies a negative connotation. Challenging, that implies growth. Mm. It's like, cool, mm. being challenged. Yeah. yeah, that's the growth the growth mindset that we love. <laughs> so what, um, Alexa, are you working on in yourself at the moment? 
Personally or professionally? Personally. I'm, you know, I think I'm always evolving. Um, At the moment, I'm doing a lot of work on self-worth and self-respect. Like I said to you, I have always had trouble with boundaries and saying no and just giving so much myself that I sort of lose myself and what I'm trying to do for other people, um, you know, and it's really interesting timing wise of this because I recently found myself in a situation um, where I was being treated very, very poorly and it came to a breaking point. And I said to, like I said to Ash the other day when I got back from the Gold Coast, I was like, the old me would have stayed there and would have waited to sort it out and would have given someone the benefit of the doubt and would have not respected myself as much as I should have. The new me was like, no way do I deserve to be treated like this. And I managed to remove myself from the situation. And that was a moment like that was an incredibly empowering moment for me. It's the first time I've ever stuck up for myself like that. And I was just like, man. And I went to Pilates next day and she's like, oh, my God, you seem so much clearer. Like, it's a whole new year. And I was like, I know. I feel great. I feel like I should feel awful, but I don't. So, yeah, I think that was a big moment for me. And it's, it's made me realize that the whole year and a half that I've done of really working with myself, working with an energy healer, I found that's really helpful. Um, I really, yeah, I've come a long way. And it's nice to be able to acknowledge that. Mm, living, living your own empowerment every day. That's hundred oh, percent. It's great when you finally get that. Like now, I understand what it feels like. <laughs> so, just as we're starting to wrap up, do you have any words of wisdom that you'd like to share um, with our followers that you've learned through this journey? I think, you know, I think we we buy so much into social media and what everybody else is doing all the time. I think it's time to really come back to ourselves and listen to what we really want. Um, you know, I've, one of the biggest lessons I've learned in the last year is that you don't have to be just because you're a positive person doesn't mean you can't have a bad day. It's about learning to own each version of yourself on each different day and be okay with that. Um, you know, on the good days, make the most of the good days on the bad days, own the fact that you're having a bad day, but just because today is a bad day doesn't mean that tomorrow is going to be. And, you know, make sure that you surround yourself with people that are going to challenge you and inspire you and support you, you know, to be the best versions of yourself because you really are the people you hang with. Mm. So those like having those people in your life, like your people is a really, really important but underestimated part of the process. Mm. Oh, thank you, Alexa. you inspiring on so many levels and so many beautiful words that you're sharing so thank you and I would love to ask you how we can support you I know you're doing a lot of great work out there I know you've got programs and um, you know you volunteer for a lot of things so how can we help you uh, to support what you're doing you know I think I mean I said to you at the beginning like the biggest thing for me is having a platform from which to be able to share my message so that other people can get involved and we all just pay it forward. Um, at the moment, focusing on rolling out my Creating Curves workshop, so where I teach people the fundamentals, specifically women, the fundamentals of lifting weight. We talk about mindset. We talk about the connection um, between physical and mental health. So I'm rolling that out around Australia, but I'd love to be able to do that internationally. So if there's any gyms out there that would like to host one, please get in touch. 
And then on a speaking, on the speaking side, I'm going to the US in October to tour university specifically with Kevin Hines and Suicide the Ripple Effect, the crew from the movie. Um, you know, so if you guys, if anyone wants to host that movie, it's an incredible journey. Kevin Hines, 16 years ago, for those who don't know him, jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge and survived. And it's his story of survival and developing resilience and being a survivor, you know. Um, so if anyone would like a host a screening of that or just, you know, enable us to have chats um, both nationally and internationally so we can help get the message out there that anyone at any given point in time has the ability to make someone's day, to change a life or potentially even save one. What a lovely message to end on. Thank you. And I'm going to put all of Alexa's details below. You can jump on her website and see some of the online programs and eBooks and things that she does. And um, yeah, again, there'll be information about the movie and yeah, all of the many things that you're involved in. It's just, it's just such an honor to have you on this podcast and I wish you well on the, on the next chapter. The next chapter, I can't wait to start writing this book. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Alexa. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I really loved that conversation with the beautiful Alexa. I, for me, it has highlighted the importance of sharing your story, even the story that you really didn't like about yourself, but how that can empower yourself and others to be more vulnerable and more authentic and to kind of go to this deeper level of conversation. I also really want to commend Alexa on the incredible work she does with people in making them feel stronger in the world. And that's physically and mentally. And then that translates on to also the work she does around mental health and mental wellness. And I just am so happy to have her on the show and I hope that we can support her and do jump on and see more about the work that she's doing. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please do give us a rating on, um, on iTunes so that other people can find us and we can share more about living with purpose. Thank you. Thank you.